Well, welcome once again to Legacy Leadership Alliance. I am Bishop Sean Cooper, and I tell you, it is a joy to share with you here on Legacy Leadership Alliance. Legacy Leadership Alliance is a weekly podcast dedicated to emerging generations and thought leaders for legacy transference in the marketplace, educational systems, and religious institutions. Legacy Leadership Alliance four points are legacy, mentorship, PK Alliance, and pastoral infrastructure. Well, welcome once again to Legacy Leadership Alliance. Man, I am pumped. I'm ready to go. I'm excited. I have a dear friend with me. Uh, of course, his name is Dion Campbell. Uh, he's a police chief. He's a pastor. He's a man of God. God has richly blessed him. And I'm excited because I I, I know that God has given him uh, much information as, as it relates to the moment that we live in. There's so many things going on. And as you know, here on Legacy Leadership Alliance, we try to tackle some of the topics that are prevalent, that are relevant, that are impactful, that are transformational. And he is right in the transitions and in the intersections of some of the hot topics that we're dealing with in our in our nation, in our nation, as well as as the kingdom of God, and even in the business sphere, political, economic, you you, you name it, he is in the thick of it. My brother, Dion Campbell, how you doing, sir? It is an honor and a pleasure to be here with you today. Um, let me let me start off first of all by thanking God for you uh, and your family and your ministry. Um, I want to personally thank you for your influence and impact in my life. Um, I'll never forget one of the toughest moments in my life, how you took the time to personally minister to me and what a difference that made. You know, we're dealing with a, a crazy world and self-care and being able to um, have someone pray with you and walk you through some things is absolutely pertinent in this hour. And so first of all, I want to thank you uh, for being my friend and being someone I can depend on and for praying for me and my family, a very, very important person in my life. Um, I applaud you on tackling this subject. This is a right now subject. This is really a prophetic moment that we're living in where the next is being clearly defined. And I think um, the dialogues that we are going to have today are going to unlock some things um, to impact communities um, like never before. One of the things I've always admired about you is you're not just a person who exists inside of the four walls, but you have been on the front lines for a long time, engaging the community, enacting change. And I think that that's a prophetic sign. I think that you've always been ahead of your time and that everything that you possess is going to be needed in the hours that we're getting ready to enter into. I think there's going to be more people uh, just like me that are being raised up in the kingdom to execute uh, real life things with under the power of God. So this is a very, very important topic in this hour. Well, man, I, I really, really appreciate that. Of course, coming from you, you, my friend, and man, my respect for you is beyond measure. And um, I want to thank you for your integrity, your ability to maintain holiness, uh, to be able to go into the intricate parts and the complicated issues of life 
to do the dirty work um, and still have your right mind, <laughs> you know. But listen, man, I, I want to get into this because I, um, I, I want to talk about policing, pastoring, and the prophetic. Uh, I call it the three Ps, you know, policing, pastoring, and the prophetic. And, of course, you are the police chief uh, of, in Michigan City, Indiana, and and you carry the pastor mantle, but also you walk heavily in that apostolic and prophetic. Uh, that mantle is on you, and so uh, I know that we only have uh, a portion of time. But I want to ask some questions. I think that are relevant to the leadership, those that uh, listen to Legacy Leadership Alliance, and that are pastors and leaders and entrepreneurs, business people. Uh, a lot of these people are on the front. Let me say that they are they are at the height or at the height in terms of level of their particular profession. And I think that we need to to hear uh, from you because, uh, as I said, that there is so much uh, substance in you regarding some of these challenges that we're having. So I guess the first question I want to ask you as a police chief, um, how long have you been policing, period? Um, it's been 21 years that I've been a police officer. It'll be 2022 20, here in November um, coming up. Um, I've served in various capacities on the police department, and, and most of them have been dealing with the community. I was a community liaison for many years. I've been a detective uh, within the department. Uh, but the majority of my career and the most impactful time that I had was when I was the school resource officer um, in the high school. And I think that, that that experience taught me a lot about how to um, bridge the gap between the community and law enforcement. Um, it was some very strategic things that we did um, within the school resource officer that I think all law enforcement needs to learn where we were very deliberate in making sure that the police were normalized um, uh, uh, among real people and that they had meaningful interactions and built relationships deliberately. And I think that those are the keys for the future. Uh, yeah. just, so, just so everyone knows, uh, Michigan City, Indiana is right on the bottom of Lake Michigan. If you would picture Chicago and then South Bend, Indiana, uh, we're right smack dab in the middle, right at the bottom of Lake Michigan, near Gary, Indiana. So um, this area um, has its fair share of activity because we're off the I-94 corridor, and there's a lot of um, activity that happens here. Great, great. Yeah, and, and I wanted to ask you, um, in, in your region, what, what are the institutional changes in law enforcement that could bridge that gap between policing and community because of course we know there's a lot of controversy with the george george floyd and policing and community there's a gulf um what what type of changes uh, that you foresee or that you're seeing and as it relates to you right now how do you manage that dynamic hmm. that's a great question uh, i think there's several factors that come into play <clears throat> I think, I think one of the things that you're going to see more and more um, is people of color being named chiefs of police because of their sensitivity 
um, to what's going on in our country. You know, at the end of the day, this law enforcement community thing is really a black and white issue. You know, the yeah. imagery that we see, the narrative that is out there is usually a white officer enacting some type of violence against a black male or, or people of color. And so I think that, that you're going to see more and more uh, uh, chiefs of police um, that are people of color because of their understanding. There's several factors that I think have to go into play um, in, in changing some of the institutional changes that have to happen. Uh, one of the first things I think that needs to be done is a revisitation and a reformation of the hiring practice. The hiring practice is very, very important. Are the people that a local police department hiring, do they reflect the community? Is there a screening process in place that would determine those who would have some type of, uh, some type of bias within them where they would negatively interact with the community? Yeah. So I think, think that the hiring process, as we begin to build into the future and change the relationship between the police department and our communities, the hiring pro process has to take, uh, uh, it, it has to take a front seat in, in building better relationships. Number two is, I think, a deliberate culture building. One of the issues that I have had was I represent something very different than what we call traditional policing. Traditionally, we have this thing called the thin blue line, which I can't stand. And that thin blue line for me and many other people basically states that it's us against them. There's a line, a, 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 a declaration that we are not going to cross and, and that's ludicrous. Right. Police officers are community members pulled from the community to serve the community. So if traditional policing has us as warriors, where we look at community members uh, as some of them as the enemy, but that has to change. One of the things that we've been, been talking about within our ranks is that police officers not only have to be warriors, because there are times when you need warriors. There are bad people in this world, but bad exactly. things happen, and you have to be a warrior. But, and, and, but married to that is a guardian of the community. And so one of the things we've been teaching our officers is that you're both a warrior and a guardian. Good, and yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the, culture, the culture is very, very important. And I always say this. And a lot of these things, it's interesting, Bishop, that I, I learned on how to begin the process of building a police department were some of the very things that God taught me apostolically on how to build church. Come on. And, and that is culture. One of the things I understand in my years of pastoring was that if you do not deliberately build the culture, it will build itself. So one of the things that we have been strategic in doing it's making sure that we have departmental meetings, we have conversations where we begin to talk about the culture that we want to build. And that is an ongoing process. So we are very deliberate in stating who we are, what we represent, who we are to become. And, and that plays a big role in what we're doing. Um, it, you have something you want to chime in there? Yeah, I, I just, you know, just to hear you, first of all, it's refreshing. Uh, me as a, you know, uh, community leader, as well as a pastor, 
um, and a businessman that love kids, that love the community, whether black or white, rich or poor, you know, the love of God has no limitations. But it's refreshing to hear from a police chief to speak um, the language of what would, from my perspective, what would generate real harmony and unity. And so what you're saying is a culture change mm -hmm. that has to do with uh, compassion and care but creating the balance that, and listen, if something go down at my house and somebody breaking in, I want the police to come and when they come, bring the heat. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I want that warrior. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, um, there has to be a level of care and compassion that humanize uh, the person, you know, and whoever they may be, and that they're not driven by some type of code or um, uh, implicit bias as a police officer that would affect their judgment. And so it's refreshing to me, and I'm, I'm sure to my, the listening audience, that you as a police chief slash man of God slash walking in the prophetic can take that experience and interject it to create the proper culture um, that changes the dynamic and the relationship between the community and policing. So, man, that is, and I, I haven't heard it um, from that perspective. Now, I heard it from the perspective, and I'm pretty, pretty sure many people that's listening to us, I heard it from the perspective of the police being, uh, pursuing how to bring reconciliation and healing to the community, but not bringing the biblical reference and that balance into the equation. So, man, I, I applaud you for that. Uh, let me ask you another question I think is um, relevant because there's some deep wounds, man. Um, and this is on the racial line, uh, of course, like you said, between the African-American and, and uh, our people of color in the white community. Well, let me ask it this way. Do you think that the church in general is missing this moment? Are we being effective in um, aiding uh, impartation, uh, changing the the climate, or are we throwing more logs on the fire? That makes sense. It does. You know, for me, w one of the things that has always bothered me, and I'll hit it on the flip side now, as a law enforcement officer and as, uh, a as a, a person who knows the will of God, especially for Christians, there is a level of obedience to the law. And Christians should be the primary ones that obey the law and show respect to officers, and sometimes they are not. And I think that one of the most disappointing things to me is, is removing some of the blame off of the community when there are wrong actions in place, but nobody decries the wrong actions. They look at the consequences or the results of that. So right. I think the, the church has to become more biblical in understanding that God tells us to obey the laws of the land. And sometimes we are the biggest violators of the laws that um, are in place. Um, exactly. I've always said, Bishop, that when we talk about prayer, the, the finish of prayer is action. And in, in the region which I live, the churches are very, very active. They pray, 
they uh, seek God, but then they act. And I think that the action part is really, really needed in this hour. The church has a powerful, powerful voice. They have the ability to vote. They have the ability to influence. They are very, very powerful. So I, anything that I do, I begin it with prayer, but then I know eventually I'm, I must act and that I must be competent and that I must be excellent in the things that I do. You know, sometimes we can get caught up in the church world and, and praying and being in a church service 24-7. But for me, the, the effectuality of the kingdom of God is being competent and excellent and knowing my job, but doing it in a righteous manner. And that's what makes the difference. That's what confuses yeah. the systems of the world. It's not good enough to just be spiritual per se, but there's a level of excellence that has to be in place. An example of that would be uh, the three Hebrew boys. And it's a, when we talk about policing, when we talk about the prophetic, uh, when we talk about pastoring, I think one of the icons that we can use is the prophet Daniel. Uh, the prophet Daniel was a high powered prophet, but yet he did not do temple type things. He wasn't in the temple. He wasn't in a robe. Daniel's prophetic ministry was played out inside of a governmental context. He eventually became second in command to King Nebuchadnezzar. And he, uh, he and the Hebrew boys, they were chosen because of their academic excellence and the way they handled themselves. And the prophetic grace on their life was used inside of government. And that uh, we consider Daniel to be one of the greatest prophets of all time. But Daniel's prophetic ministry was executed within the realms of government. And that's, yeah. Bishop, what I really believe that God is doing in this hour is that he's taking these apostles, he's taking prophets, he's taking evangelists, he's taking pastors and teachers, and this gift is now being manifest inside of the systems of the world. When Jesus said, go you into all the world, that is not just an evangelistic statement, but that is a literal command for us to go into education, for us to go into uh, finance, for us to go into law enforcement, for us to yeah. go into government and take that gift and manifest it inside of these secular systems to show the superiority of the kingdom of God. The grace that's on my life is apostolic and the same apostolic grace that I use to cast out devils, to uh, impact uh, cultures of churches, that same grace manifests inside of this job that I have right now, and it becomes governmental. Come I literally, literally see the demonic systems and structures within my region being confronted by the apostolic grace, but it's not manifesting in the church service. It's manifesting as the chief of police. And I think that's one of the reconfigurations that is happening Right now in this hour, and one of the uh, things that God did during COVID was that he shut down the doors of the church, uh, not to take away our traditional temple worship, but to let us know and to begin to deposit new seeds of manifestation that when this thing, you cannot do traditional church service, what is the church able to do? And I right. think he broke us out of those, those, those mindsets and reminded us that there's a real world out there that he intends us to go into, to take over, to impact and influence and take dominion over those systems. And I think prophetically, um, I think that, that I and others like me are a sign of what's getting ready to come, that God is, is really taking the kingdom of this world 
and the kingdoms of our God will dominate in every system that God sends us into. I'm sorry, Bishop, you got me started no, that, up this morning. Hey, hey, man, I, I'm letting you go because when I tell you my spirit is just leaping inside of me because it is, it is so essential what you're talking about and the language that you're, you're speaking in. Um, of course, you're not speaking in tongues or nothing like that, but you're speaking a language that, that is a language of the intersections because we have, as a church, I believe in, in so many cases, have missed moments of great impact and transformational, uh, transformational impact because of, like you're saying, being walled out, being walled off in, in the church. And we, we've been addicted to inreach and, and not outreach. We haven't been the Nehemiahs, that, that's the cupbearer or the secret service, right, of the king, like yourself. You know, you are police, you're handling some affairs that has to do with natural things, but yet, yet spiritual as well. But you being able to operate in two or three different dimensions with the balance. You're dealing with political issues, you're dealing with racial issues, you're dealing with economic issues, and you're dealing with spiritual issues as well, all at the same time. And God has given you the power and the insight and the anointing like Solomon to be able to walk in and out of these uh, cultures and spheres uh, oh. with clarity, with power, and the infrastructure and foundation of that is the gospel of Jesus Christ, you know? And it's so profound to hear you say that. And then uh, let's, let's, let's think about it, people, all of us that are, that are listening. Um, he's so right about the coronavirus, you know? Uh, we, we hate that over 500,000 people of course, lost their life here in, in, in America and then millions around the world. It, it is a tragic, but also in every circumstance, God has his hand in it to expose something or to reveal something to us as believers. So every obstacle becomes an opportunity. And um, it's an opportunity. God is allowing us to go through all of these changes because he's trying to get something out of us to impact the world. Let me ask you this, man, because uh, I'm, I'm so excited. Um, I'm very, very excited. Uh, how do you feel about, okay, let me ask you this, because a lot of pastors and leaders would want to know this question. And how do you balance the struggle between policing and pastoring? Now, when you say pastoring, uh, just so you you understand, I no longer pastor a church. Yeah, and yeah, was, yeah. You're right. And it was interesting because God um, dealt with me because he told me something was coming. He didn't tell me what was coming. And so I made some adjustments. And I, after pastoring for 20 years, I gave it up. And then through an act of obedience, I understood what he was doing. But to answer your question, it doesn't contradict itself at all. It complements it. The essence of what law enforcement is, it talks about integrity, professionalism, and doing things the correct way. And so for me, the thing that I had to learn was the principles of God and to be a living epistle. Um, that I, the things that I build or put together inside of this, the police department and how I interact with the community are all the principles of God. I just don't put a John 316 on it. I right. can talk, talk about love and compassion without putting a John 316 on it. 
So there, for me, there is no difficulty in, in what I'm called to do, but every man and every woman must understand that this comes with a price. Whenever you set in your heart to do things correctly and do things principled and do things the right way, you become a disruption to hidden demonic forces that exist in any region. There is a demonic force in the political realm in Shreveport, Louisiana. There's a demonic entity inside the school system. There is a demonic entity inside of the police department that is powerful, but it is unseen until you get inside the system. One of the biggest revelations for me was when I became the police chief, I realized that there was a demonic system in place that was influencing the mindsets and the decision of how law enforcement uh, responds, acts, and, and builds itself. Me entering into the system became a disruption to the status quo, and that has become my warfare because I know that the enemy um, will look for the strongest weak, weak person inside of any system and use its demonic powers to uh, engage and judge a city. Our job when we get in these positions is to confront that demonic force that exists in a lot of these systems. Because remember, this is virgin territory. Traditionally, the saints didn't go into these type positions. They exactly. basic, basically, you know, the, the, the fight was to get into the pulpits and be able to preach. And for me, that's like, uh, no, this, this, is, this is something more. And, 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 and I'm not minimizing the church by any means. I understand that the church is the seedbed for me to be able to do what I'm doing. I know that I've been sent into this arena by the church to do this job. The church birthed me, and the purpose of the church was to put things on the inside of me because my warfare, realistically, the greatest battle I fight is to be obedient to God and to stay pure. That is the thing that allows victory to happen and for these systems to change. I know myself. I know my heart. The moment my heart starts to turn away from God, I can feel myself losing what God wants to do. And understand right. this, Understand this, Bishop. This thing is not about me, but it's about God's purpose. God right. has always been looking for men and women to go into these type arenas and execute his will. And it, it's I can sense his purpose is moving. Despite my humanistic flaws, his purpose is moving. And I realize very strongly that if I don't do what God called me to do, that he will raise up someone else to do this job. But I, I always say to myself, why would I make God raise up someone else when I have an opportunity to do what I'm doing now and to finish his will in my lifetime? But trust me, it comes with the cost. I've never been more attacked. I've never been more lied on. I've been set up. I have had people literally try to get me arrested while I've been the chief of police because they hate what I represent. The reality wow. of the Bible has become more real to me now than ever. I've cast out demons and, and love casting out demons and seen sign miracles and wonders. But the hardest thing that I've ever had to do was reform the mentalities of the law enforcement community and to engage a community that has the wrong mentality. This is the hardest thing that I've ever done. Pastoring is a, is a preparation in itself. You have to deal with people. You have to deal with their issues. You have to show compassion. You have to show grace. You have to make hard decisions. The, the whole dynamic 
of everything that I learned in the church prepared me for this day. And that's that's why I'm never one to try and bash the church because I understand. Please continue to tune in next week as Bishop Sean and Chief Campbell discuss policing, pastoring, and the prophetic. Thank you for listening to the Legacy Leadership Alliance podcast. We invite you to continue to join us at the intersection of religion, education, and the marketplace as we provide synergy and faith toward the future. Follow us on all podcast platforms and subscribe. Contact Sean Cooper at bishopshawn at gmail.com. To donate to Legacy Leadership Alliance Cash App dollar sign Bishop Sean. And remember it is better to live by principle than to die by impulse.